Welcome back to the sixth episode of Kicking the Copier, where today I just want to spend some time talking about something that has been important to me throughout my teaching career and especially early in my teaching career, being reflective and intentional about when and why to say no as a teacher. Just to clarify, not no to the basic expectations of your job and also not no to building wide asks, as I very much believe that there's a lot of value in collective efficacy and getting every teacher on the same page within a system or structure throughout a whole building, even if it's not your first choice. Instead, though, I'm talking about saying no to those individual asks, those above and beyond requests that take on an extra class to help out with a new committee, to coach a team or lead a club or the thousand other ways that teachers are asked, almost always with the best of intentions, to give even more than they're already giving. It can be hard to say no to these asks sometimes, but looking back on my own career, I think being willing and able to, at times to say no has been an underrated part of my journey in the classroom being so positive even going into year 12. So let's dive into that when and why behind those no's. Kick in the copier number six, thoughts on saying no as a teacher. We all have stories we tell ourselves about not just what experiences we have gone through, but also why they went well or poorly, including our own agency in that why. And as someone who ended up having a really good first year, I've told lots of stories about the whys behind it. But somehow, almost all of them tend to leave out a particular conversation, one that, up until recently, haven't thought much of. So it's back in 2012, and I am in my classroom getting set up for my very first day as a teacher. And my principal pops in with a question that very much throws me. Would you be willing to get your CDL license and take on a bus route this year? Let me set the context here. Here I am, just out of college, moved from Oregon to rural Arkansas with two suitcases, trying to plan for five different preps in year number one of teaching with zero curriculum support, and here is my new boss at my door asking if I will take on a bus route. A bit more context, though. In the districts I worked at in rural Arkansas, teachers driving bus routes was a normal thing, and it came with solid stipend pay, too, so many teachers happily take on these positions. And looking back, I'm also very empathetic of my principal's position, who was also in his first year leading a building and just trying to plug as many holes as possible before kids showed up. Still, there I was completely away from my normal support systems, very much wanting to make a great first impression and paralyzed between my very real concerns that this would not be a good choice, and my deep desire to be seen as a teacher who says yes. So what did I do? I said no, respectfully and admittedly hesitantly at first, but then firmly. No, thank you. There were a lot of factors that went into my having a really good first year of teaching, some in my control, a lot outside my control. But let me emphasize this here today. Saying no in that conversation mattered a great deal looking back in terms of making sure I was able to have a really good first year in my classroom. And that mindset of being intentional about when and why to say no 
I think at times I've underrated the role that has played in the sustainability and positivity of my own career. I also know, though, that saying no to these extra asks as a teacher isn't easy. And I want to offer a few thoughts at this point in my career on the why and the how and the when of what no's look like for me. So number one, I believe it's really important to weigh the value of saying yes against the consequences of what's best for you personally and your family, as well as your classroom. What I'm going to refer to as the line between what you can do versus what's beyond what you can do. And I'll be, be open. Saying yes can be a good thing. It can, it can lead to new opportunities for you personally. But more importantly, it can be a great way to learn and serve beyond your classroom, often becoming a more integral member of your school community, something so many early career teachers want too. However, when I'm intrigued by an above and beyond ask that is made of me, especially with someone I really respect and want to support, I still try to pause and think about my personal line by asking myself two questions. Number one, what will the impact of saying yes be on me personally and potentially on my ability to be present and good with my family? We all have our line after all, and knowing where that line is matters a great deal to make this profession sustainable. If saying yes is going to cross that line for you of what you can sustain while still being good on a personal level, and for those this applies to, being good for your family, then whatever the benefits of yes are, become quite short-lived compared to the toll that extra burden takes. And then additionally, I ask myself how this will affect my ability to show up as my best self in the classroom. This is the one I think gets overlooked too often, and the consequences of this is that the core of what we do as teachers and what really defines how our days go ends up paying the price at times for those extra things we commit ourselves to beyond the classroom. And for me, the no becomes much easier once I've gone through this two-part reflection. Is it going to have a negative impact on me or my family? Then, no, I can't do that right now. Is it going to have a negative impact on my ability to be the best teacher I can be for my students in my classroom? Then, no, I can't do that right now. Another thought I want to offer, though, on when to say no is this. Remember that the value of saying yes diminishes the moment you say it. Look, I get the thought process behind wanting to be seen as someone who says yes. Team player, in it for the right reasons, invested, dedicated, selfless. But as much cajoling and rapport went into getting you to say yes, why do those asks immediately move on to the next yes they need to get on their list, the moment after you've agreed to whatever you've agreed to? Quite often, I've seen you become a mark in the yes column in the past tense. Problem solved, moving forward, understandably, to the many other problems education is rife with right now, leaving you to deal with whatever you just agreed to deal with. Let me offer a hypothetical to paint a picture of what this can look like. Year number one, you say yes to leading some new tutoring program after school, giving up some of your own time to help this important initiative. You even get others on board and you're celebrating in front of the entire staff. Shoot, they even write a newspaper article about you. Lots of deserved praise for what you're doing. Year number two, that extensive invested conversation with your building leader to get you to agree. Now it's just a head popping into the room at the beginning of the year, making sure you're still on board, really not even giving space for you to consider saying no. No more building-wide praise, no more newspaper articles, 
This is just something you do now, right? Let's jump all the way to year number five. You're burnt out. Life circumstances have changed, as they do. And as proud as you are of this tutoring program you've led now for four years, you realize you need to be more accountable to your own line. So you go to that original administrator who asked you to take on the program, if they're still there, and let them know. Now, though, you're seen as the person who is saying no. And maybe even worse is you're potentially, quote unquote, letting the whole program down. Now someone else will have to do it. Maybe you can just hold on for another year, please. Remember how you were celebrated when you first said yes in this hypothetical? Things change, and that's my point. If you're saying yes to be seen as someone who says yes, just keep in mind how temporary that positive perception might end up being. And this leads to my final thought on this topic. Don't let someone else will have to do it force you into what I'll call a bad yes. So let's go back to that hypothetical once more as it brought up something that I also have seen drive a lot of teachers to say yes to something that they don't really feel purposeful in doing, or that they know will be too much for them. Still, they say yes, because they know in their mind that if they don't do it, someone else will have to. I don't think this dynamic even needs to be named in most cases. I think it's internalized by many teachers after years seeing an under-resourced, overextended system ask more and more of everyone in it, admin included. So they say yes, you say yes, I say yes, thinking we are doing it to help those around us. Two responses to that mindset though. Number one, the most important thing you can do in any school building or community as a teacher is to be at your best as much as you can for the students in your classroom. You burning out in the short term, even for the best of reasons, creates a much bigger loss in the long term. Prioritizing yourself is not just okay, it's what's best for your school community too. And number two, stepping back when we as teachers say yes to those above and beyond asks that happen all the time, even when we're saying yes so others don't have to, we are inadvertently contributing, I think, to the burnout happening profession-wide. Are teachers being asked to do too much, way too often? Of course we are. But by saying yes too often to those above and beyond requests, we're allowing that culture to continue. And that's not good for anyone, including your students, including your colleagues, and including you. The Broken Copier is an independent, listener-supported podcast for teachers. The show is written and hosted by Marcus Luther and myself, Jim Maris. I do editing and sound design for the show as well. Thanks to Casey Roberts, a blues musician born and raised in the Mississippi Delta, for writing and supplying original intro music. Thanks to Tom Chitari, a jazz musician, composer, and teacher currently based in Australia. Right now, you're listening to Woodstock from his album Garden, available now on Spotify. You can stream his music under the name Uncivilized. Fun fact about the album, it includes vignettes from a single called Rain Stomp, which was originally written to support Stacey Abrams' Fair Fight Action Network for Super Tuesday in 2020. Check out all his work at guitaruncivilized.com and uncivilizedtom.com, where you can sign up for guitar lessons on Zoom, just like I do. Links are in the show notes. Thanks very much to my sister, Courtney Malavik, for the graphic design you see on our social media and episode posts. Thanks to Brandon Piasecki for helping to get this project off the ground. 
The goal of the show is to connect with a passionate, diverse group of educators, bring helpful analysis and collaboration, and celebrate everyone doing the hard work in the classroom. 